Welcome to the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Angie Ritchie, President of Life Pacific University, as our guest. Well, hey, I, I'd love to start with your journey. Um, I'd love to start with who your mentors are. Yeah. Okay. So, so happy to be with you today, Brad. So my mentors, um, I have several, but I would say um, two, two of them, I have several actually, but uh, my former president uh, that actually I succeeded, uh, Dr. Jim J. Adams was an incredible leader and sponsor. I would say that I learned a lot by um, being um, just in his space and a part of his administrative team, his cabinet. Um, so he's been a strong influence in my life. Uh, I have several others, but I, I, let me let me say, interestingly enough, is I have many mentors that are indirect. Does that make sense? There are does, people yeah. in my life that maybe aren't in my everyday. They're not in my space, but they're my books. They're my podcasts. Um, I learn. I learn a lot by uh, watching leaders of what to do, what not to do. Um, I would also say that my husband um, Jack Ritchie is an incredible entrepreneur leader, and I learned a lot from him. He's an definitely a thinker and strategist. I'm high um, people orientation and activation. And so I learned really a lot. We've been married almost 30 years, a lot about strategy and how to think and how to pause. And uh, I think being married to someone like that, that's such a great leader himself, really does rub off on you. And now you've been at Life Pacific for over 20 years. Is that right? I have. I started out actually in, I think it was 98. 98, 99, as an instructor, I graduated from the, from this university and, um, got to come in and do some, uh, teaching work with another professor. And I didn't have higher education in my sites. I was really looking at, um, you know, elementary education, um, and maybe some missions work. My husband and I are in ministry, so we were very involved in our church. And as I began to teach at the higher education level, um, I wanted more. And then, you know, course evaluations came back. I got invited back. And then one thing led to another. I jumped into a master's program in education. And that also began my uh, journey uh, into my own education. So, yeah, it just evolved that way. And now um, you now are you able to uh, teach classes now in your in your current role? Can you still play the role of faculty member? I, I do. I don't. You know, I, I teach one class in the spring. I'm a you may not know, but I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. So I actually teach marriage and family a sociology course I've been teaching for over almost 12 or more years. So I teach it every spring. Um, I, pr I don't have time to teach it. I really don't but I can't give it up. I just love the classroom too much. I love students. And I think when presidents get away from the students, I, I think they really miss out on the pulse of the campus climate. So I always want to engage our students and I want to know who we're serving and we're serving Gen Z right now. So it no better way than to be in the classroom. So uh, you have a degree uh, in education with a focus on curriculum design as well. I do. A master's yeah. in Yes, exactly. Now, do you do you help design Life Pacific's courses? 
I I have in the past. I've I of course designed my my course and, and that evolves. I've been on program reviews. I've worked on the faculty side um, for most of my career. And so on lots of committees, evaluating courses, all of that. So um, I enjoy that. But in this role right now, being a president, it takes up a lot of time. I have to stay very focused on my assignment. So I try to not get too bogged down in committee work. So talk. let's talk a little bit about Gen Z. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, you know, you, you have a a keen understanding of Gen Z, maybe more so than, than others. So how how does that, or I guess, how do you position Life Pacific to really attract Gen Zs, if that makes sense? Oh, yeah. Well, see, in 2015, when I was in enrollment, we all of our enrollment um, colleagues in Southern California, we were like, where, where are the students? We couldn't find them on Facebook. We couldn't find them on Instagram. We realized Gen Z was going to college and we went, we flipped from millennials to Gen Z. And so they have a different way. Uh, they're less, um, they're, they're less exposed. They don't always like to be online all the time. They want to be more self. And so we realized we have to learn Gen Z. So we dove into who are they? We just missed a generation. And, uh, so here they are. Uh, they're so entrepreneurial. They're born into multicultural households. They're inclusive. Uh, they want what they learn to matter. So they're coming to your classroom to learn and they want to know that what they learn is going to apply the next day to what they're doing. And if Gen Z doesn't feel that their education is going to work for them like tomorrow, um, they will lose interest. Um, it's a generation of hack schoolers. They learn online. They learn via YouTube, um, and they can download anytime, anywhere. And so it's been a little interesting for colleges to figure out how do we attract them? How do we recruit them? But how do we retain them? So what happens in the classroom has to be from the heart. They have to connect it to their heart first. They have to be able to apply what they learn in real life, in real world, in real time. And they have to know that the professors care. That's how you retain a Gen Zer. So um, they're, they're not messing around because in their mind, they have lots of options. They can go anywhere. They can do anything. So, uh, it's been fun to connect with them. I think really a differential is, uh, meeting them where they're at. They care about others. They care about mental health. They, they want to be a part of causes that they can believe in. And if your university can give them something to believe in, it can help them accomplish contribution in the world. Um, that'll get their attention. Well, and, and let's talk a little bit about relationships because relationships is such, you know, it, it, it can be cliche, you know, it can be kind of relationships mean a lot. Well, they, they really do. I mean, can we talk a little bit about, you know, diversity, inclusion? I hear this a lot from presidents and I, I truly believe that without belonging, diversity and inclusion doesn't mean a lot. So can you talk a little bit about how, how important are relationships on campus Life Pacific faculty, presidents, students, especially at the, the size that you're at, right? Where it's kind of an intimate setting. It's not a 40,000 student public institution, but it's got a lot of advantages. Um, you know, again, being able to know each other, build relationships, yeah. right? And make sure that students feel belong. Oh, that's huge. I, again, because in belonging, there's joy. And joy is a soil for transformation, Students aren't going to learn and retain. That's the way neuroscience, you know, neuroscience teaches us that the brain learns in certain states. 
And joy does create that, but belonging is part of that process. What I love about an intimate campus is everyone does know your name. Yes, there's some drama because everyone knows your name, <laughs> but uh, it is so incredible to build community. And for a generation that is so connected, but so disconnected, a small campus does afford face-to-face, face-to-face does matter. It affords group um, connections, mentorship, that really is the key, I believe, to retention. If you, if a student doesn't feel known, if they don't feel appreciated or or seen or they belong, they're going to slip through and they're going to drop out. And so we have that opportunity. I think we we can't assume that this phone is a replacement for human connection. We are wired for belonging connection. And so we really make a point. All of our professors um, are part of mentoring mentoring our students outside the classroom. We have success coaches. So we really tried to build in and we have chapel twice a week, which gives people time to come together to enjoy, enjoy one another. So. Well, absolutely. And so how does, so Life Pacific, how do you engage the local community and business community today? Yeah, well, so many of our internships and our um, job placement comes through our community. So not only do we have connections through internships and how can we serve, but we have actual city serve days. So we're a small campus in the city of San Dimas. We participate yearly, more than twice a year, city serve, uh, going to schools, going to nonprofits, nursing homes, helping any way we can, um, connecting there. We also host the chamber um, on our campus many times a year. So the Chamber of Commerce is coming. We host Teacher of the Year uh, events uh, for the city of San Dimas and beyond. So we really want to make sure that our campus is friendly. It serves not just our students, but um, our local city. And really making LPU known through service has been part of uh, my priority as a president, because we want to know that if we didn't exist, that it would matter. And if we, if it wouldn't matter, that's a problem. So we really try to integrate. In fact, we have uh, our big Christmas extravaganza coming up in the city of San Dimas. We always participate. We have a, a float and the president and our athletic teams will be there. We love to integrate in our city. Well, and so with your experience, extensive experience as VP of enrollment, chief communication officer, you know, I'm, I'm sure you get this question quite a bit, but why life specific, right? Competition is so stiff out there. It's it's saturated, some would say, right, with with four-year institutions. Why life specific? What what how, how do you compete and win? Well, this is what I would say. One is we just talked about the the connection, the intimacy, but we I always say we're affordable excellence. We we are not as expensive as some of the bigger schools, but we do not compromise on excellence on internships and job placements. 97% of our graduates by six months after graduation have employment. That is huge. That is the power of our network. It's the power of our um, career office. Um, We want to make sure that they're one foot out the door their junior year, already connecting with their career. And, And what's so great about being in Southern California, again, affordable excellence, is we have access to the best companies, the best industries. So we're talking, you know, Disney, Google, uh, we have all of these incredible uh, media companies that actually come to our campus. We have executives from CBS that speak to our students um, and they get 20 students to talk to you. And so you get 
intimacy here at LPU and you get, but you get network. So our students are landing amazing jobs, whether it be Boeing or whether it be Apple or whether it be a nonprofit, uh, local churches, um, they can do that through life, but in a, in a place where they don't have to compromise and just be a number. We're very connected and we want to make sure that our students are connected as well. So, um, that affordable excellence, as well as the outstanding faculty that, again, know your name. Uh, our faculty don't get paid extra for mentoring. It's not in their contract, but guess what? They do it. And that's what I work with the best of the best. Some of our faculty, our adjuncts are teaching at Pepperdine, at USC, at other, you know, APU, at other places. Um, so we have incredible um, not only are they reputable, you know, have great reputations, but they're also practitioners in the fields. So uh, I love what we have to offer, and our students again, their job placement, it's it's through the roof, and we're we're proud of that. There we go. How do you make sure that you can retain uh, top level faculty? Oh wow! So you know, it's tough in higher ed right now, right? You have there's more faculty than there are jobs um, in higher ed right now. So really, I keep the mission front and center. We try to be competitive with our um, our salaries and we try to keep up with what's going on. But again, for a small school like ours, we really have to keep the mission, vision and values front and center. We have to, again, um, engage them in in uh our mission and strategic planning. So it's something that we talk about a lot. We've been really, really lucky to be able to retain some of our amazing faculty. We have faculty that have been here sometimes 30, 30 plus years. Um, we have a big waiting list of adjuncts that want to get on board. Um, we're growing this school so that we have more opportunity, but um, it's a competitive environment. And so I think a lot of our faculty are really connected to what we're about. Again, our mission is the transformational development of students into leaders, uh, prepared to serve God in the church, the workplace, and the world. There, every student that comes here wants to give back to society. It's not just about making money, which we hope they do. We want them to make a lot of it, but it's about purpose. And so I think our faculty really resonate with that. How many first-generation students do you have? Oh, the ma a majority. In fact, okay. I would say well over 80 70 to 80% are Pell eligible students. We have a lot of first gen. And so uh, this, we're proud of that. We are ranked fifth in the West for social mobility uh, by US News and World Report, which means that students come in at an economic status and they graduate at a much higher status, meaning that changing their lives lives of their families and their communities. So we're proud of that to be able to lift their body, mind, and soul, but also their economic status. That's important. Well, and, and, and you know, in, in my estimation, so the enrollment cliff is, is real, right? But it, in my estimation, I feel like the perception of education and how education and, and getting a degree is being challenged more so than ever today you know, especially with a job market where, you know, you can get paid well, right? By many's estimation. So how do you make sure, especially with first gen, but just in general, but how do you make sure that they stay the course and they realize, hey, you know, you stay here, you get a degree, here's what that becomes versus jump into a job. Well, there's so much noise, isn't there, Brad? Like there's so much noise about, you don't need a degree. Yeah. Now, listen, some people don't, maybe an Elon Musk, 
may not need a degree or, <laughs> you know, but, but a lot, most of people do because of what changes you in the midst of your degree, how you learn critical thinking network. So one thing that we have done, and I love my vice president of academics, we always start with the end in mind during new student orientation, the first weeks of school, we show them pictures of graduation. We show them what it will look like when they walk across that stage. We show videos of commencement because we want them to get a vision, but we have to keep sharing that message because by sophomore year, a lot of men actually in general drop out of college sophomore, junior year. Why? Because they're thinking, I got to make money. So we got to give them a vision. We have to tell the story of the ROI because I have too many students that have dropped out and now in their thirties and forties that are going back to finish their degrees because they can't advance in their profession. Um, So we have to tell the story why education matters, the network you're going to build, the critical thinking. um, And at the end of the day, that piece of paper does matter for a lot of companies still today. Do you agree with me? Oh, completely. I mean, I feel like the propaganda against higher education is ridiculous. Not only that we don't need a degree, that's ridiculous, but also that it's that people can't afford it. That's the biggest myth I get to dispel as a president to tell students and families, actually, you can't afford it. And let me show you how between Pell Grant, Cal Grant, institutional aid. But they're not told that students are told you can't afford private education. And it's a lie. Right. Well, and, and, you know, if you if you read many publications, you know, publications can be sensationalized. Right. So when you when you see student debt exceeding a trillion dollars, well, but break that down, you know, to your point earlier, you know, student debt can become a problem if you don't complete. But if you do complete now, let's talk about the doors that that, you know, the, the opportunities that are opened up for you. Well, right. And, and I, we, we talk a lot about the, the dep- depreciation. So you buy a car, these kids are, they have great phones, they have great cars, but they won't invest in themselves. And that's, what's interesting to me. We are our greatest investment. Human beings are the greatest pour money into your growth and learning, and it will always appreciate. So I always encourage our students. I've never met a student that got a degree that really regretted it. Honestly, I always say that for graduate students, they're in their master's and they're like, I'm like, you're not going to regret this. Push through, push through and complete. And I, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. So um, talk to me about the importance of, of mission, but, but in particular, a faith-based mission. Right. Well, mission drives everything we do. It is, it is, it is what we do. Um, and I think if we don't have a compelling mission that inspires um, people, because at the end of the day, life is so much more than just what you do nine to five. It's about purpose. And so our mission drives us. What I love about faith-based education is it it, it really um, leans into the purpose that we are made for something greater than ourselves. We're made to not only what our contribution is will benefit others, but actually, actually brings us joy. So we love uh, our mission. We love serving others. We believe that God's given us a calling uh, to go into all the world and to serve and to lift others up. And, you know, people really resonate with that and uh, it makes everything we do worth it. Whether you're in business or counseling or education or, you know, uh, nursing, it matters. It matters. So we love our mission and people, I don't know about if you've heard, but K-12s, there's a waiting list in, in private K-12s right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I have, I'm on the board of a K-12 um, in Rancho Cucamonga, and they went from 500 to almost a thousand students in two years. And we are now building and expanding because parents believe in faith-based education and they are really tired of what's happening in our schools. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that myself, right? Students leaving, you know, K-12, leaving the public system and going into into the private K-12 schools. Yeah. These students, they want their kids to learn and to grow in their mind and their and their spirit. They don't want them to be just politicized. And that's what's happening. Uh, I have too many families that call me that are just distraught over their child being educated in all kinds of things that don't have to do with academics. Well, and I think one of the frustrating things for me is, you know, we go back to the publication and what's in the news. And I feel like one, you know, the news sensationalizes a lot of things. But then, you know, when you look at publications, oftentimes when they're evaluating institutions or comparing institutions, they might be looking at the largest public institutions out there or potentially the largest private schools like your Harvards or your Penns or but but there's so many other institutions like Life Pacific that has so much to offer. But, you know, it, 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 but, but again, it's not reflected in the public eye oftentimes. That's right. That's right. It, it is really an interesting time for higher education, especially like private Christian higher education. Um, but this is why we have to keep getting our message out because it's resonating. Brad, I'm with parents and pastors and leaders all the time that love what we're about. In fact, they're thinking, this is the answer. I have people coming through touring that have never toured this campus before. They're like, I'm bringing more people. I'm bringing my friends. I'm bringing my board because I think leaders, families are looking for alternatives. They're looking for the answer um, of how to kind of um, mitigate some of the dynamics that are happening in culture today. So can you talk a little bit about your Foursquare Board of Directors? What exactly does that do? So Foursquare is our denomination. Really, it's our church affiliation, like an Assemblies of God or um, um, uh, Nazarene. So we're affiliated with the Foursquare Church, and um, they're our largest sponsor. Um, but we are actually very interdenominational. In fact, the Foursquare population really is about 80% for online, but for undergrad, ran about 40% which is the spirit of the movement. The spirit has always been interdenominational. So we have Baptist, evangelical, non-denominational churches, some Catholic students. So really it's about, uh, but we believe in God. We're very clear on our statement of faith. Um, But what we love is partnership with the local church. We believe that there um, is great integration when it comes to education because families that go to church, they want education. Uh, We can share in mission to together to raise up a generation of um, incredibly healthy leaders. You know, I'm a therapist. I want healthy people to graduate like Pacific. Uh, I don't want people that know a lot of things, but can't like have a, a vibrant, successful life. They can't right. have raised kids and have family and contribute to their community. So the church and our, our school and lots of churches we're partners with are we're good together. And how about uh, how about alumni? How do you engage alumni? Yeah, well, we have uh, a great alumni network. We, of course, have an alumni office. We do our reunions every year. We connect with them via e-blast, email, social media. Uh, we have alumni and friends weekend. We love to invite them back to campus. You know, COVID really set us all back 
Um, I think we're all kind of rebooting again and, and people being excited to be together, especially in California, but it's been so fun to reconnect with our alumni. And there's some of our, not only our greatest supporters and donors, but they refer because they love their alma mater. So alumni are very important to us and keeping them in the know. That's something that has been important to me is to keep that connection with our alumni. Now, as part of your strategy, um, uh, recruiting, obviously in-state, but also out-of-state and international? Absolutely. Uh, I would say more so in uh, low, um, nationally. Internationally is expensive. We're a, a small school. We would love to have more international students. That's not been a part of our comprehensive enrollment strategy, but we have a really incredible enrollment team, a new vice president that started this year, and we are taking new ground. It's 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 like a blessing and a curse, right? When you go to places and like, we never heard of you. Well, we're happy you hear, are hearing about us now, but we also we're like, wow, we have ground to take. We have to make LPU known and make what we have um, our institution available to more students. So it's been fun really traveling all over the U.S. this, this last fall. So do you do you get much of a break from travel? <laughs> I mean, well, are you... I'm on the road a lot too, but I just finished a long travel season, probably too much travel, but it just has felt so good to be out again, um, sharing the message, but I'm now I have seasons. So I'm home now for through the holidays and then I'll pick up travel again, late January and, uh, connecting with our donors and our friends. And, uh, so that'll be exciting, but yes, it's an interesting, uh, cycle. You know, some presidents get July off. I heard, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> I got to get, I got to get in the club one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you define student success? Well, one is, is persistence, persisting through school. Uh, student success for us is that, that they complete. Uh, we don't, we want to retain our students. We want them to progress. We want them to succeed academically, but student success is also emotionally. Um, Brad, you know that mental health is a big deal and we've had free counseling for our students for decades. Um, but before it was ever a big, uh, it was in all the papers and all of the, all of the, um, magazines, but we are so excited to be able to offer that. So we want, not only persistence, but we believe that mental health, if we can wrap around them emotionally, it will also help them to succeed. So we want to see them graduating. Like you said, we don't want to see them in debt with nothing to show for it. Uh, well, and not to get too specific around your enrollment numbers, but I, I did want to mention something that to me is off the charts. So I've noticed that your acceptance rate is around 90, and correct me if I'm wrong, acceptance rate is around 94%, but your yield rate is almost 70%. Yeah, well, this is, you know, why? Because we're niche. But I mean, that's just, that's awesome. That is yeah, such we're, a we're, high yield rate. We're, we work hard to yield those students. But what, what part of the thing is with recruitment, we're very clear on who we are. We know we're yeah. not for everyone. You know, we are faith-based. We have, um, you know, a small campus. We we don't have a ton of degrees. We have a good amount, but we we don't have the 20 degrees. 30, 40 degrees. So people know what they're applying to. And so our job is to fight for them to make sure they're a good fit for us and for them and to make sure that we can um, help them. Again, we keep our tuition lower. Also, we just launched the LPU Promise Scholarship, which means that um, Pell and Cal, if they qualify, we actually cover the rest of their tuition. So we really try to make it work for students. 
Well, and that's just another example of, you know, what students pay, you know? So it's, again, it goes back to that student debt, but what do you act, you know, what do you actually pay and where, where do you get help? You know, and I think a lot of students don't understand that, that they can get help in a number of different ways. They don't understand that. And parents, moms, we need to connect with moms more. That's one of my, my focus, one area of focus is parents, because if you can get the parents to understand, uh, they'll bring their kids. They'll, they'll start to open the door um, at, to possibility. But too many kids are going right to community college. They're slipping through the cracks. They are not building good connections. And we want to scoop them up, you know, and, and have them graduate in four years. We want them to complete um, and not drag it on. But and we can help them financially. So we have a really robust financial aid team. We have coaches that help students again apply for their FAFSA, fill out. We have scholarships upon scholarships that they can apply for outside of the university. And it really, if they get started now, they will be set for the fall. So it's just being proactive with that message. Yeah, and as you said, I, I can imagine a lot of students and parents. Don't don't know that, you know, you just wouldn't automatically know that until somebody sits down and says, hey, here's what we offer. That's right. That's right. So there's so many opportunities. So, again, getting that's why going to preview days, coming on for campus visits. If anyone's listening to this and like they want to check us out, come to campus, check us out, uh, have a personalized tour, come to preview day and you will you will actually talk to our financial aid team and they will walk you line by line through everything that you need to do. Um, it, it, that's hospitality is one of our values. So we, we treat everyone like they're our, you know, our family. And now um, do you have a number of feeder high schools? Is that where a lot of students come from I mean, as far as community colleges or high schools? I mean, do you, do you have recruiters that work at high schools to we only have, a, you know, yes, we have recruiters, but we, again, it's through our travel, it's through our network, yeah. it's through, uh, we search names for students that are mission fit for us. We have, again, our, our churches, we have places like, you know, like YWAM, Youth with a Mission is a great pipeline. We have Western Christian Schools, we have great partners, and we're so relational. And I, I've realized that we work with people that have multiple, what we call MOUs, but the key is consistency in relationship. Yes. And that's how those pipelines really start making a difference. So we're grateful for our partners. I mean, it's, it, again, it goes back to relationships. It's that FaceTime. Yes. You know, I mean, it's one thing to have an MOU, it's, but it's another thing to say, hey, I'm in front of you. I'm seeing you. I'm meeting with you. I'm talking with you on a consistent basis. Absolutely. You know, during COVID, I signed so many MOUs because I knew that what can Angie do during COVID? Well, I can build partnerships and pipelines and then guess what? Now, guess what? Every fall, let's get together. Let's let's have a tour. How are you doing? How can we support you? So it just gave us a lot of access to some really wonderful, wonderful schools. And so where do you see Life Pacific in 10 years? 10 years, my goal is to double enrollment and double our graduates. Uh, we have a pretty, again, a, 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 a sustainability and expansion plan that we just... Uh, worked up. And so that's my goal is to double, um, to serve more people. Um, it's going to take an investment of capital that I'm working on and believing that um, in that we are gonna, going to graduate more servant leaders for the church, the workplace in the world in all sectors that are going to influence with joy and positivity and contribution. So um, we're building, we built 
um, a strong academic plan. We're launching several new programs this July, and we're excited to see uh, it all unfold. Well, that's excellent. Well, any other parting words to our to our audience? I would just just encourage everyone to uh, be very um, critical about the propaganda. I would say, you know what? Question what you hear and find out what's going on on your on your campuses. Find out, and not every campus is equal. You know, I had a um, a, a superintendent ask me if I was really a Christian school because so many Christian schools aren't Christian anymore uh, in terms of the their positioning. Uh-huh. And so, you know, ask the questions. Ask what you're about. You know. Our school might not be for everyone. We know that. But find out what's available financially, what's going on. Feel it. Get the culture. Meet people. But find out what's really going on by going on our campuses. And I know that people will be blessed. Well, excellent. Well, President Angie Ritchie, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. Brad, thank you so much. Such a joy. But best to you. Thank you for joining the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. For more information on the series, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.